I'd like to start today by reading from the Gospel of John. This is the eighth chapter. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the, pro- and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commands us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. This will be the second time in 20 years that uh, I have given a sermon directly on the topic of abortion. A few years ago, um, I began under this uh, heading of Christ and culture to address some of the more uh, vexing contemporary issues, talking directly about things like divorce, abortion, racism, consumerism, living together, marijuana, and the like. (laughs) These are not topics that I would choose to speak on. I would rather choose sand than, uh, than weigh in on some of these issues. And abortion is high on the list of the ones that I would particularly like to avoid. Uh, in part because it feels unfair. I am uh, obviously an older, white, uh, wealthy male. I have never uh, lacked for support. I cannot begin to imagine the fear and confusion that overwhelms many young women when they're faced with an unintended pregnancy. The second reason I would choose not to speak on the topic of abortion is because some of what I say may hurt you. And I don't like to hurt people. I especially don't want to hurt those who are already hurting. Or add to the pain of those who already feel shame or regret, who who feel very judged by the church. If that's you, I want to apologize for the way you may have been treated by the church uh, and for any failures on my part or on the part of others uh, who have represented the church and who have not extended grace and love and been understanding and helpful, not been there to support you in a time of crisis. So there are reasons why I would choose not to speak on abortion, but I am obviously speaking on abortion. So let me say there are two reasons why I choose to do so. The first is, I think it's the right and loving thing to do. A while back, I heard from a student at the church who was shocked to learn that I thought abortion was wrong. The second is because after the last time I spoke on abortion, in addition to having a number of people, uh, men and women, come up to me, and in a very odd way, they were all essentially leading with the same thing. They gave me a date. They would say, November 14th, 1997, or uh, you know, January 8th, uh, 
2004. And then they would say something like, biggest regret of my life, uh, I think about it every day, or she would have been uh, 38 years old today, or she would have been 17 today, whatever they're going to say. Uh, in addition to people saying that, I had a couple people who came up to me and said, I sure wish someone had said this to me 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever, whatever was apropos for them. So uh, I want us to look at this issue directly, uh, and my prayer has been, <laughs> my sincere prayer has been, not only that I can follow Christ's brilliant example in John 8 of, uh, of being gracious in calling people to a different path, uh, but also that those carrying any pain around this topic, personal pain around this topic, find peace in the grace of Christ. So I believe we're all in this. Uh, I believe we're all in this. Me first. We have all fallen short. We are all sinners. None of us keeps God's standards. None of us are qualified to throw stones. And any thought that we are suggests that we are like the Pharisees. So let me lay out a basic overview of the sort of historic, classic Christian position on abortion, make a number of observations, and then uh, end with a few challenges to all of us. So the classic Christian position pivots around a handful of points. Number one, human life is sacred. The Bible teaches that we were made in the image of God, and that implies that uh, we have value independent of who we are or what we do. There is a divine imprint on our souls that gives us value whether we are wanted or not, whether we are adding value to the world or not. Infants, those who are handicapped, those who suffer from diseases like Alzheimer's uh, and who are unable to function, People who have no utilitarian value have value because God has given them value. Life is God's to give and take, not ours. Our worth does not have to be earned. Our value rests within us because God has given it, given it to us. Secondly, children are a blessing. They are a gift from God. That is what the psalmist says. That is what Jesus says. And that is what we know every time we pick up and hold a little infant. This is a blessing. This life is precious. Third, we're expected to protect the weak. God has a special place in the heart, in his heart, for the poor and oppressed, for the widow and the orphan, for the powerless, for those others are excluding. This certainly includes helpless infants. And he calls on us to give ourselves for them. We are to love them even when it's not convenient. Indeed, Jesus goes so far as to say, the way we treat them is the way we treat him. Fourthly, abortion is wrong. It is not God's plan. And fifthly, God's grace is available to you, to all of us. Abortion is not an unforgivable sin. It's wrong, but God is bigger than our mistakes. We are not able to exhaust the love and grace of God. Like all other sin, we bring it to him, we confess it, and we are forgiven. So I spent my first eight years in ministry on a college campus, a state school with about uh, 15,000 students. When you're around a lot of 20-year-olds, uh, the topic of abortion comes up for obvious reasons. 
there are unplanned pregnancies. So, 30 years ago, I was very conversant with discussions about abortion and pretty current on the debates around it. When I decided to, uh, to talk on this topic five years ago, I had a lot of catching up to do on what had gone on. So I did some reading, I spoke with some doctors, I talked with other people uh, on, on both sides of this issue, and I was struck by how much had changed in, uh, in the, the 15 years that I had not been paying as close of attention as I was when I was a college pastor. Uh, I was reminded, for starters, of just how common uh, abortion is in the United States. The numbers have been coming down uh, over the last five to ten years, but nearly one in four women in the United States has had an abortion. Second, I was reminded how uncivil the discussions around this topic tend to be. Thirdly, I was reminded of how tortured the arguments are. And here I'm talking about the arguments in favor of abortion. The legal arguments have now generally, uh, it's been agreed upon by those on both sides of the issue that Roe v. Wade was, was poorly argued. Uh, people concede that it was overreached. But it goes on, uh, the, the, the difficult and sort of confusing arguments that get made go beyond just the legal ones. I would contend that the same thing is true for moral arguments. They don't work. In some cases, they're very uh, bizarre and hard to address. Finally, I was reminded that God's law is good and loving, and we get hurt, all of us, when we don't follow it. We are surprised when actions have consequences, when sex leads to babies. That's clearly the intent. That's God's design. One of the reasons we're supposed to be married before we start to act like we're married. Morally speaking, there are no shortcuts. We see this in other ways. Lies lead to more lies. Sin leads to more sin. When we jump the tracks, we get in trouble. And we end up asking ourselves, how did I get here and what am I supposed to do now? So in terms of the way the debate has changed, um, these points, along with many others, uh, are further developed in my notes if you're interested in reading at a, at a deeper level. Uh, I was surprised by a handful of other things as well. I was, not, I was surprised to not run across more discussion about when human life begins. 20 years ago, that was the big debate. Today, it's generally accepted that life begins at conception. The debate now is over what rights uh, a child, a fetus, would have, if any. I was surprised that I did not hear much more about the need to keep abortion legal uh, in order to protect the life of the mother. It comes up occasionally, uh, but it's now generally acknowledged that there are very few cases when pregnancy uh, has to be terminated to protect the life of a mother. I was surprised uh, and pleased at how much the sort of pro-life side has, has grown to address not just the immediate needs of a, of a pregnant woman, but the long-term needs uh, of a woman and a child. The pro-life movement has clearly raised its game on this front. I was surprised to learn that uh, abortion now is often uh, uh, conducted by a pill, not by a medical procedure. And I was uh, surprised to see growing support for Peter Singer's views. He's uh, an ethicist uh, at Princeton who, uh, who 
who just has a very utilitarian view of human life. He is the first one to argue, but, but now joined by many others, uh, that uh, a, a child born could, could have its life ended even after birth if the, if the parents decided or the mother decided that she did not want it. He does not see those as moral issues. He talks about abortion in much the same way that I would talk about knee surgery. You don't want it, but if you gotta have it, you go ahead and have it. So I was surprised to see more support for Singer's views. Finally, I was a bit surprised to read discussions about the longer term uh, implications of abortion and what they have done to some countries. As you may know, the birth rate uh, in general uh, has been declining, not solely because of abortion, but largely because of abortion. This has left many countries, much of Western Europe, uh, caving in on itself. Many European countries have fallen well below replacement rates uh, and now are falling below sustainability rates. So uh, I was surprised to see those discussions coming up. So as I said, I was reminded of some things when I got back into this. I was also, uh, I learned some new things. Let me pivot and stop talking about this as an issue or being a cultural observer or anything like that. Let me talk uh, about this topic as a pastor. There are a few things that I think uh, you need to hear from a pastor. One, uh, everyone loses in an abortion. A child dies a woman is wounded, and a nation is diminished. People try to deny these realities, but those are the realities. This goes way back to a fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to be human and what it means to be free. We would like, increasingly today, to think that we can be free from the consequences of our decisions, but we are not. Yes, 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 there is forgiveness. And, and we can ultimately be, be healed and transformed and move forward. But decisions have consequences, and when we act against God's plan, against the grain of the universe, we get hurt. And I end up talking to many women who are hurting from decisions about abortion that happened 20, 30 years ago. Secondly, let me stress this. It is seldom about a choice. When you read the surveys uh, conducted with women who have had abortions, few feel as though they had any other option. They report feeling forced by a boyfriend, by parents, sometimes by a husband, by circumstances. Uh, Frederica Matthews Green traveled around the country interviewing women who had had abortions and she wrote, quote, the core reason I heard was I had an abortion because someone I loved told me to. Again and again, she says, I learned that women had abortions because they felt abandoned, they felt isolated and afraid. As one woman said, I felt like everyone would support me if I had an abortion, but if I had the baby, I was on my own. I felt consequently like I didn't have a choice. If only one person had stood by me, even a stranger, I would have had the baby. She went on to add in haunting words, no one wants an abortion as she wants an ice cream cone or a Porsche. She wants an abortion as an animal caught in a trap wants to gnaw off its own leg. Thirdly, it's not always helpful to frame this discussion in terms of rights. It depends on uh, who we are talking to, 
we need to speak the language of our culture at some times. And those who do not believe the Bible are not interested in hearing uh, it, what it has to say and certainly not inclined to follow it. But as Christians, we need to see that there are problems with our discussions about rights. For starters, it pits the rights of the unborn against the rights uh, of the woman, which is the wrong way to think about this. Secondly, it leads us to focus on legal solutions, which generally means we end up acting like any other self-serving interest group uh, that is trying to use the courts to get our way. Thirdly, it can imply that what's legal is what's moral, which is not always the case. But more significantly, this is just not a good way for a Christ follower to think. We don't really have rights. We are disciples. We are called to serve, to love others, to die to self, to pick up our cross, to follow Christ's example. Jesus doesn't talk about rights. We don't sign up for rights. We sign up, in one sense, to serve. We sign up to care for others. Fourthly, let me add, there are two groups at Christ Church available to help. The first is there to help any who find themselves pregnant and without good options. In this, you can please ask for help. You can talk to a small group leader, you can talk to a pastor, you can talk to a campus pastor, you can text Informed Choices, which is a group that we've worked with for a number of years that has all kinds of medical uh, help but there is, there is emotional, there is spiritual, there is financial, there is practical help available for you if you are pregnant and are need, in, in desperate need of support. The second group that can help is comprised of women at Christ Church who, who attend Christ Church, who've had abortions, and who are there to help those who are struggling with regret. And I know that this is not a small number. Now, there's much more that could be said about this topic. Uh, I could, if I had a lot more time and was inclined, explore how abortion appears to have a racist uh, bent to it. For while there's only 13% of the country that is African American, nearly 40% of abortions right now are being performed on African American mothers. We could also talk about how abortion and legalized abortion has actually uh, been harmful in many ways for women. It was designed to help it was designed to promote uh, women's rights. It was designed to come alongside and be helpful. I would argue that it's been, in many cases, the opposite. In part because it has meant that men often end up feeling freed from any responsibility to care for a child. After all, she decided to keep it. She's on her own. I think it's also been very harmful to women because of trauma and regret, and that is, again, what I have seen as a pastor. But let me wrap this up by talking more generally about what we can do. One, collectively, we can repent. And I do mean collectively for our actions and our inactions. One way or the other, we all have responsibilities for this issue. At the very least, we have failed to protect the weak or to be the kind of safe, gracious person that those in crisis can turn to. That is wrong. And again... Those of you who have been hurt, I apologize. Secondly, we can continue to celebrate adoption and foster care and safe families and the women who choose to carry their babies to term and give them up for adoption. 
We also can celebrate those moms who refuse to end their pregnancy even though they've been told their baby might not be perfectly healthy. Three, we can lean into the grace of Christ and the mission he calls us to. Our world desperately needs more and better churches, gracious-filled communities that are going to help people in crisis. Finally, let me note that if you want to talk more, and that includes those of you who think I am just dead wrong, I have not hurt you, I have just made you angry. We are piloting a Q&A session after the sermons. I did one in a very closed session uh, a few weeks ago. In, a, in about another month, I'll do another one. And you can text in questions, and immediately after the service, I will take those questions uh, briefly. This is a brief 10-minute edition on at the tail end of the service. So if you have questions, you can email me, or we could just talk offline. I'm glad to do that. Uh, but additionally, there are, again, these two groups of people. So I mentioned uh, the one group, uh, and I gave you the phone number for informed choices. If you're interested in uh, talking with a woman at Christ Church who's had an abortion and who is, who is a leader in a ministry called um, uh, Sharing the Secret, Surrendering the Secret, so we've set up an email. It's completely confidential. It doesn't go through the church. We set up independent of the church. And this just goes to two of the women who are leading this group. They're going to start a, a, a support Bible study in February. If you're interested in being in that, you can send them an email and they'll reach out to you. If the time of the Bible study, your support group doesn't work, they're glad to talk with you confidentially uh, about your situation and extend grace to you. We're going to end the service a little differently than normal in that we're uh, going to have the campus pastors up to wrap things up and to pray. So I will simply say, uh, these are, again, the, the kinds of issues that we need to, to lean into together. And it is my prayer uh, that there is a sense of progress, hope, grace, and that the Lord will have uh, mercy on all of us for our shortcomings. God bless you.